So today uh, we're starting a series entitled Live Free that deals with just a uh, few of the issues that hold us back from living the life that God designed for us to live. And so I want to kick off the, the series, it's a really short series, by reading you a story that Jesus tells about a very successful man who is about to spend his last day on earth, but he didn't know it. It's on the Gospel of Luke, chapter... 12, starting with verse 15, it says, Jesus said, then Jesus said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and, and I'll build bigger ones. There I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. This was a man who thought he had his whole life under control. He was experiencing good success. He apparently was having a great year financially. And he says to himself, what the heck am I going to do with all this money? Good problem to have, right? I know, he said. I'll upgrade. I'll build a bigger home. I'll save more, invest more, spend more. And he kicks back and says, yep, it's going to be a really, really good life. Then, out of nowhere, his life takes a really tragic turn. Because in verse 20 it says, But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And just like that, everything that he had spent his entire life life, working to accomplish and accumulate, was swept away. Well, good morning, y'all. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Got a full house, and my guess is, though, that there are a lot of you here this morning because of a certain promise that you made when they tied it up at six. Had you known that the topic was going to be money, I'm not sure you would have made that promise. But. Uh, so uh, I, I was bound and determined to uh, learn how to water ski back in my early days. No, how back there, what are you doing? And uh, I'd been in the water for like an hour, and I had fallen flat on my face every time. And I was so ticked. Like, I was really frustrated that I couldn't do this. So I gave myself a little pep talk. I'm like, dude, you so can do this. You can, you can make this happen. And so I promised myself that no matter what this time, that I was not going to let go of that rope until I was up on those skis. And so we get ready. I get all, you know, all set. And I give my brother who was driving the boat the big thumbs up. And I grab a hold of the rope and we take off. And 
as the boat picks up speed, I, I tightened my grip. I clenched my fingers around the handle, and I'm telling myself, do not let go. I was hanging on to that rope for dear life so that I could get up. And this time, I have to tell you that I was getting farther than I ever had before. There was just one problem. I was not standing on my skis. I was being pulled behind the boat on my face. But I wouldn't let go as if somehow like hanging on counted for something. And through the water that was plowing into my eyes, I could kind of see that my brother had made his way to the back of the boat and he was trying to yell something at me and I I couldn't quite figure it out because of the water that was crashing into my ears. And finally the boat stops and I'm laying there recovering after being pulled by this boat on my face for like half the lake. And I yell at my brother, I say, what is it that you were trying to tell me? And he said, I was trying to say... Let go of the rope, fool! (laughs) There are certain things in life that we need to hold on to tight. But then there are things that we have to let go of or they will eventually drag us down. Take, for instance, the guy in the story that I read just a few minutes ago. I mean, he thought he had it all going on, right? I mean, he was just holding on to it all so tightly. And you could almost see God standing there, shaking his head, going, just let go of the rope, fool. Let go of the tight grip that you have on the stuff of this world. It's dragging you away from me, and it's killing you. Jesus ends that parable in verse 21 by giving us the point of the story when he says, and this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. According to Jesus, we have a choice. We can either invest our lives in the stuff of this world, and we know just as sure as we need air to breathe that one day it will all come to an end. Or we can invest our stuff in our invest ourselves in the stuff of God, or as Jesus put it, to be rich towards God. That the Bible says will last forever. But he says this very clearly in several different passages, and that is that we have to choose. It can't be both ways. He says, but I just, if you choose the other, I just want you to go in eyes wide open and know how that story ends. I think it comes down to really what we put our faith in, right? And we put our faith in a lot of stuff. You know, for instance, for decades, as far back as I can remember in my parents' generation, I mean, we lived in a world where we put our faith in the American dream to own our own home, you know? And for those of us who were lucky enough to buy our homes before the downturn, we all thought we were making, like, a great investment. I mean, we watched as home prices went up year after year after year, and we thought, this is incredible. You can't lose, right? This is going to be our nest egg. We couldn't even comprehend the complete erosion of 
all of us put our faith in, which was the U.S. economy. We thought it was too solid to possibly collapse. And yet, where a lot of us are on our values of our homes today versus where we originally paid, we're underwater. The recession was a huge wake-up call for a lot of us, I think, because it didn't just hit the wealthy, it hit like the average Joe. It hit us in our homes. It hit us in our own pocketbook, and we realized that there are no guarantees of anything that we invest in in this world, except for one thing. One day, it will come to an end. And so the question is, what are we investing in where the value will not erode? What if instead of working on this premise that most of us work off of, which is, how am I going to build for my future? What if we started at the end? And we acknowledge the fact that in the end, we will have nothing. Right? It's the old adage that you can't take it with you when you die. And we work our way backwards, and we say, how am I going to get from here to here, and what is it that's really important so that when I leave this world, what is it that I leave this world with that has any value? How different would our life be if we knew that 30 days from now, our life would come to an end? How would we prioritize What would we prioritize? How would we spend our final days? In the big picture, Jesus puts it like this. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now this is a critical line, I think, in the Bible. Because what he's saying is, whatever it is that you invest your time in, your money, your priorities, wherever your focus is, whatever it is that you are investing your life in, that is where your heart is. That's your passion. And the issue is, for a lot of us, that we've somehow been led to believe that we should put our faith in that which we can see and touch and hear, the tangible stuff of this world, because it's a whole lot safer to believe in what is seen than in what is unseen. Right? I mean, what good is faith when you're trying to pay the bills? But Jesus said, whatever is the focus of your life, That is where your heart is. And Jesus said, all I want is your heart. And so anything that takes your focus away from him competes with Jesus. This is where the whole idea of giving comes in. And I want to put this in perspective. Because the offering time that we have every Sunday morning is to keep us in check as to where our heart is. It's a constant reminder that all that we work so hard for will not last, and in the end, will have no value. 
Giving is this weekly practice of the letting go of this world. And every time we drop something into the offering bag or push the button on online giving or give the cash or whatever you do on a weekly or monthly or annual basis, whatever it is, we are letting go of another little piece of this world. And it helps us to let go of the things that seem so important to us right now that in the end has no value. And it prepares us for the day, eventually, when we'll have to let it all go. Just a few weeks before my dad died last year, we tried to have a conversation with him about his finances, trying to work everything out. And I'll never forget it, because... He just looked at us like we were crazy. And he's like, none of that matters to me. He's like, I don't care what you do with it. It's no good to me now. He, he had been practicing the art of letting go and giving all of his life. And so it certainly seemed to me that in the end, he was very willing to let all of that stuff go because he knew what had real value, and in the end, that is what he was clinging to, which was his faith. You may have noticed that during the offering time on Sundays, we try every Sunday to communicate in some way or another that if you are not in a relationship with God, then don't give which is a pretty radical concept for a lot of people because a lot of people believe that the church is just after my money, right? And so in spite of the fact that we have some very practical issues like paying the mortgage and paying the electric bill and gas bill and all the stuff that comes on around with that, we've made a commitment here at Westridge that we will not teach anything that is contrary to the Bible. And the Bible doesn't say that we should give to keep the electric on or to make sure that the bills get paid. The Bible makes it very clear that giving comes out of a response to the grace of God, not out of some guilt trip. And so I want to be very clear about this point whenever I speak about giving, because I want us to fully understand this. If your life has not been radically changed by Jesus, if you've not experienced the grace of God, if you've not given your life to God, then you have no reason to give. And please don't give. It doesn't matter like that the bag's passing by and everybody else is throwing stuff in. Nobody's paying attention and nobody cares. Right? You're not in a place where you have a reason to give, so don't give. And it's okay. So if you're here exploring your faith, take your time, figure it out. And the time will come, I think, when that changes for you. Because we want the offering time to be about our heart and not about the money. But I would also say that the opposite is true. That if you're in a relationship with God, and you're not giving in such a way that is meaningful for you, then I would challenge your perspective about that. Because... Giving is very much a part of the Christian life. I mean, there's a reason why the Bible talks about money so much, and it's not because God needs your money. 
the more that we are able to let go of this world, the more capacity that we have to allow ourselves to be filled up by the stuff of God. The more that we give, the more we're freed up to grow spiritually and to live the life that God designed us to live. Believe it or not, and this is really true, as you grow in your relationship with God, so does our desire to give. It's a condition of where we're at spiritually, not economically. I don't have to make more money in order to give more. It's a condition of my heart, not of my pocketbook. And when we invest our money and our lives in the stuff of God, when we are becoming rich toward God, as Jesus says, that's the stuff that lasts beyond the grave. That's the stuff when you go to the very end and you see that we are trying to prepare ourselves now for the very end. That's the, that's the investment that we make that will last beyond the grave. Or as Jesus puts it, where moth and rust will not destroy and where value will not erode. In other words, it's the stuff that has real meaning. That's why the Bible says that we are to be cheerful givers. Because when we give fully from our heart, we are giving out of a sense of gratitude. We have been so moved by the grace of God. We've been so moved by the forgiveness that we've received that we want to give. And every time we give, we let go of another little piece of this world and our faith grows just that much more. And that's a God design. I'm not going to sit up in here and tell you that I'm all that spiritually, by the way, because to be honest with you, there are times when I lose perspective and I don't like it. My wife and I have made a commitment to tithe 10% of our gross income, and sometimes that's tough. Money gets tight, or I look at what I have to pay Uncle Sam, which, by the way, just for the record, I do that out of a sense of obligation and not out of a sense of joy. <laughs> like, you know, there's times when I get a little whiny. And I feel sorry for myself that I have to write this check to my church and I could be doing other things. But then that's when I have to like stop myself and say, let go of the rope, fool. You don't have to do any of it. You don't have to write that check. You don't have to volunteer. I do what I do. I volunteer here. I give my money here, not because I have to. I do it because I believe in what we're up to here. It's a privilege for me to be part of a church like this. It's a very unique experience. And I can assure you that if I didn't believe in what Westridge is doing, there's no way I'd be investing my money here. So now when I write that check, I love it. And I can honestly say that when I get a chunk of money, I'm always working out in my head how much of that I get to give and what is the difference that that's going to make in people's lives, and I love it, and it's become a non-negotiable for me, because I've seen how the story ends. I've been there with my dad as he left this world and realized that there is nothing that has meaning other than my faith. I think 
that as we grow in our relationship with God, that there just eventually comes this moment, this aha moment, when it just clicks. And instead of saying, you got to be crazy asking me to give money, to realizing that I can give with a sense of joy, and it changes my entire perspective. It changes my life. I had the uh, privilege this last week to do something very few people get to do. Um, I released over 300 baby sea turtles this last week into the wild. And uh, a couple years ago, my wife uh, Shelby and I were walking along the beach in Nicaragua, and we witnessed this incredible moment where the sea turtle is huge. I mean, it's a huge sea turtle. Walks up on the beach right in front of us and lays its eggs right in front of us. I mean, it's a really rare moment. But this cool moment turned disturbing as we watched some of the local men dig up those eggs because they're going to eat them. And in Nicaragua, people are very poor. It's a third world country, obviously. And turtle eggs are a source of nutrition and a source of food where they don't have the money to buy other food. So it's a big deal. Shelby was so moved by the experience that she actually started a sea turtle preserve called Sacred Sand. And she hired a group of people to go out on the beaches at night where people are digging up the eggs. And when people try to dig them up, we actually go and buy those eggs from them so that they have money to go buy other food. And then we take the eggs to the preserve and they incubate there at this preserve. People are there watching and guarding them. And, you know, eventually, boom, the outcomes of baby choice. By the way, she has over 8,000 eggs incubating right now, which is incredible. So the irony is that Shelby hired the very people who were poaching the eggs to now protect the eggs. And so one of the guys his, uh, is a friend of ours. His name is Fidel, and I've talked about him before. He's an older gentleman. And he'd been eating turtle eggs all of his life. Like, he didn't know any better. That was just like a normal breakfast thing for him, was whenever they got sea turtle eggs, it was a delicacy. He had turtle eggs. But he had never, ever laid his eyes on a baby turtle. And so the first time that he saw a baby turtle hatch, and he sees this turtle come out and go into the ocean, he was so moved. He said, I cannot believe that I've been destroying that creature all my life. And he said, I will spend the rest of my life protecting them. This last Friday night, a couple nights ago, there were a bunch of sea turtles that popped out at midnight. And so we all ran down to the beach to go set them loose. And we get down to the beach, we bring all the sea turtles down, we go down to release them, and there was Fidel at the beach waiting for us, in his shorts, waders, and no shirt on, he had been in bed, and he told his family to make sure to wake him up whenever the sea turtles were hatching because he didn't want to miss it. And he was like this little kid. He was like a giddy kid as he was like releasing these sea turtles with like this huge smile on his face. Here's the point. Fidel had lived his entire life in the dark just accepting the way things were. This is just the way that it always had been. And so he had been a taker, not a giver. 
He didn't know that there was something that was so much better than he could have ever imagined that he could bring him more joy than eating those eggs, was releasing those eggs. And once he experienced it, it changed him forever. There are a whole lot of us who live our lives in the dark, thinking that accumulating stuff is the secret to a happy life. When all the while, we have no clue that real joy comes in letting stuff go. That real joy is the transition from being a taker to a giver. And when we experience that, it changes us forever, profoundly, and brings us a sense of joy that you could never, ever imagine. I have learned that the secret of life is to be content with what I have and not become enamored with what I don't. So when you peel away the layers of your life and you get down to it, and you get down to who you really are, what's your focus, what's your passion, you peel it all away and you get down to it, who are you? What are you left with? When you come to the end, what will you leave this world with? And if you knew that that end was coming soon, how would you live differently? Hold loosely to the stuff of this world. But hold on tight stuff of God. For goodness sake, let go of the dang rope.